This is Shudders Inc. with Bruce Williams and Glenn Lavender. Hi and welcome to episode 526 of the French Chef Podcast. Swedish Chef. Sorry, the Swedish Chef. Okay, I've got to, I've got to do it. Let's do all that again so I get it right. No, 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 that right where it is. Nowhere. You're going to end the world as the French Chef lover. Mon you, I say. <laughs> My God. Uh, this is Bruce Williams from com, and that there is Mr. And Glenn I Lavender. I am the French chef. <laughs> from Creative the Photo famous, Workshops. The famous French chef. <laughs> CreativePhotoWorkshops.com.au. Mr. Glenn Lavender, how are you? <laughs> well known for my time in the Muppets. <laughs> the Muppets. Uh, oh, I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, yeah. I'm better than the alternative. Oh, I, of course, of course. Yeah. Give, give the choice of yeah, being here or not. Yeah. I'll take the here. Yeah, for sure. I saw a funny tattoo. I saw a funny tattoo today, uh, yeah. yesterday, on a woman, uh, on her leg, and it was just a tombstone, and it just had the words on the tombstone. It had the words, "Sometimes dead is better." That's <laughs> <laughs> like what? Okay. <laughs> Sometimes uh, dead dead is better. Uh, maybe maybe she had that tattoo put on in memory of an ex. <laughs> well, here's the. I'm just looking at it. I'm going, what the? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so I saw two weird tattoos this week. The other weird tattoo I saw was a man had a an envelope tattooed to his shoulder. Okay. Right? Yeah. Um, which is by itself, such an old-fashioned, you should have, like, have a, an email tattooed to your shoulder <laughs> or something. But he had an envelope tattooed on his shoulder, um, and the handwriting for the address was kind of just squiggly lines, right? Okay. But then in red handwriting, tattooed handwriting, was just the word confidential. <laughs> and that's the whole tattoo. Envelope with confidential on it. It's like, okay. Random. Okay. I, I, I was trying to... See if I can find a way of introducing the two of them. Yeah, I think they got some stuff. They got some stuff in common. You know. Oh dear. So how's your week? But it's two weeks. It's been two it weeks. How's been, your two weeks been, mate? Um, it has been quite exciting. Yeah, so uh, first up, uh, Kath and I went away for the weekend last weekend, which was fantastic. Well, we, don't hear, we don't want to hear those stories, thanks, mate. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we, we went up to a place called Crescent Head, just had a the equivalent of an Airbnb for a couple of nights, but somewhere where we were actually allowed to take the dog with us, which was great. So ah. Yeah, so that was nice. Um, and we've had... An abs- not that I'm telling uh, you for, anything for new. For the B part of the B&B, for the, 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 the second B, yeah. not the bed bit, the, the breakfast bit, was that pr- um, produced by a French chef? No, it was not. Disappointing, <laughs> 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 Yes. So, not telling you anything you don't know, but the East Coast of Australia has absolutely been deluged oh, with yeah. rain of late. Well, your, your part oh, of the house is fine. Mate, it's just been ridiculous. And Crescent Head was no different. Uh, so as we were driving into town, there were these a couple of kilometres where there were all these, all of the trees which would normally be on dry ground were sticking out of the water. And I said to Kath, I've got to come back and photograph this. So um, I got the camera out on the 
Saturday, or no, it might have been the Friday night, and went and took a whole bunch of photos of trees. Um, wow. Any good ones? I, yeah, there's a couple I'm really happy with. So, okay. um, yeah, it was... Actually, photos or it didn't happen yeah i i was just thinking that because because we record the podcast on my windows system and all my photos live on my linux system i can't access them while we're recording but yeah you you just you just do that you just show it like that (laughs) that's one way of doing it that would show it to you wouldn't it so 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 for the listeners i'm holding my other laptop in front of my laptop um and bruce bruce and i god knows why but bruce and i have decided to start seeing our faces when we talk to each other so we have our videos on that's right i mean and and today we're recording fairly early in the morning so i'm i'm kind of glad i've eaten breakfast in some ways so so i can now we can now show each other things so i can show him he's showing a photo on his phone that's out of focus and a bit too low can't you see I that? can't. Oh, okay. Oh, there it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh God, have you ever used a camera before? It's all out of focus. It looks like it looks like uh, trees reflecting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, put it by your head. Put it by your head. Your head's in focus. <laughs> put it on your forehead. <laughs> it's an abstract kind of look and yeah just really happy with the way it came up there's a, a couple other images as well so did you put them up on your facebook i don't remember seeing anything the funny thing is i didn't put them up on the on my own personal profile i put what put it in the dark table group and i also put it in another ah. group australian tree addiction which is just a, a group of people who post photos of trees so uh, are you, have you been a long time member of this group or uh, just, I, to join, I, just to show no photo? no no. i got invited to that group probably two years ago and i've been on the on the group but i don't post regularly i've probably <laughs> posted about five images in those two years so uh yeah, so anyway, so I've got the camera out, so that was one thing. That's good. That's more than I The I've other done. interesting thing that has happened is I'm on the verge of a new job, uh, getting back into media, which I'm very excited about. Awesome. In what, what, in, in what, in what capacitor? Well, I don't want to say too much yet because the ink's, no, the ink's not yeah, signed. Yeah, uh, yeah. But... And th- well, apparently you're going to meet them face-to-face, and they may, they may not like the face. <laughs> So I'm heading down to Launceston uh, next Thursday for a, a, a basically an overnighter. Well, they, they must like you. <laughs> that's pretty, that's, that's a bit personal. At least buy me dinner it? first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so meeting up with them on Friday morning and spending half... And uh, and, and Saturday morning they're making you breakfast. No, 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 no just half, half, half a day. Have they, have they got a French chef? <laughs> Half the day, and then uh, hop back on a plane on Friday afternoon to come back home. So, uh, yeah, cool. awesome. so that's that's pretty exciting. So, uh, yeah, I, as much as I've enjoyed the driving the trucks, I find that it's absolute hell on my body, and yeah, of course, and, yeah. and I never imagined that it would sometimes. Be... Sometimes death is better. <laughs> there yeah. you go. <laughs> it all comes around. Uh, I never imagined that that was going to be, you know, the last job I would ever hold. You know, it was just a yeah. sort of a temporary thing. Well, it depends how badly you damage your That's body. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so I'm really excited about this. And the, the great thing about this particular gig is it's a work from home position. Oh. Uh, so I can work remotely forever. They will provide awesome. me with the software and the licenses for the software that I don't have. Yeah, and they'll fly me to Lonnie twice a year for um, 
you know, once for Christmas and once for a mid-year catch-up. So... For a little sleep over. Yeah, that's it, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I expect that I, I, I'm pretty confident that it's a done deal. They, yeah. Uh, they were really excited when I reached out and said, hey, I'm interested. And they said, look, we can't pay the kind of money you're used to earning. And I said, yeah, let's talk anyway. I'm desperate. And, and yeah. then they said, well, look, can we send you a couple of jobs to knock over because we just want to see the way you work? And I went, yep, not a problem. And they sent me three things to work on. Uh, and I got them back to them the same day. And they said, mate, we love it. Let's get you down here for a chat. So, I mean, it'd be kind of a good way, a cheap way of doing business is you just send out your jobs to prospective employees. (laughs) They do all the work for free. Exactly. It's not a bad bad laugh, that, when you think about it. Are they paying to fly yeah, down? Yeah, absolutely. You the, oh, that's okay then. Yeah, yeah and pay. Did you ask? Did you ask that you wanted? A, you wanted a hotel with a French chef? Yeah, right? I did not ask for that. <laughs> well, you got to start late. He's early days, dude. You got to kind of set the ground rules, expectations. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the lifestyle you want to be accustomed to. That's it. Uh, what kind of genre are we talking? Can you? Is it? Is it's not audio books? Is it more producing commercial it's type more, stuff? More commercial it's, stuff, but also some uh, e-learning stuff. There's a bit of a range of nice. stuff, but it's it's back in audio creation, which is what I love. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm delighted for you. I hope it all yeah you know, comes together, yeah. and, and 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 that'll give you still time to do some freelance stuff. I'd imagine, and especially working from home, all the hours you're going to save by not commuting and stuff. Yeah, that's the big save. Um, you know, not having to do three hours of commuting every day. Uh, but it, and the cost, but it is a, the cost factor. Yeah, there too. exactly. Which was why I was okay with taking a lower salary. Yeah. Well, fuel fuel will be twelve dollars a litre soon. Yeah. soon so tell yeah. me about it. Yeah. So. Even on your little moped that you've got, it'll be like, <laughs> it cost you. <laughs> it cost me eight hundred dollars to fill up my motorbike. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's been my uh, last well, couple we, of weeks. We've just we've just taken it. We just took out a second mortgage to fill up the tank of the new Subi. Yeah. So, I bet. Uh, yeah, it's a, so it was. I think two dollars and six a litre fuel was here. Yeah. So well, I saw I saw yeah. a news article this morning that said that the average price of petrol in Perth right now is two dollars twelve. Whoosh. Yeah. Well, they're talking two dollars. They're talking two dollars fifty. Yeah. 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 So. Yep. So for for our 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 gallon cousins, yep. that's um, if it gets multiplied to 50, multiplied by four point five. So. Yeah, so and then divide by three tw- uh, and times by well, two, be, and you've almost got the comp- currency. So it'd be twelve dollars fifty Australian, and at the current conversion of seventy-two US cents, I think we're at at the moment. So as two dollars fifty times four point five, it'd be twelve dollars fifty. Just, just, well, just run me through that, Matt. Just run me through that. Oh uh, yeah, that's not right, is it? <laughs> Sorry, eleven dollars twenty-five. <laughs> Sorry. <Take it>. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Bloody French chef. So eleven twenty-five. So it'd be, it'd be somewhere up around about eight US dollars per gallon. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. So so Bad. what else has been going on in your last couple of weeks? Anything exciting or? I I I've got it. You know you've heard the saying, and uh, I've more than likely said it many a time myself. Uh, all the gear and no idea. Yeah. Yeah. So of course, yeah. Seeing my, my my guitar binge at the moment, yes. you know, I went out and bought this thing called an iRig, right? So I can connect my guitar to my computer. Oh, okay, okay, and then using amplitude software, I can put in all sorts of different 
amps yep. and pedals and effects yep. and different speaker setups, different microphones, different rooms. So I've been, I only arrived yesterday afternoon, but this spent like four hours just, just going quang, 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 <laughs> um, which is pretty much what it said. And then feedback, <laughs> the cat runs away. Nice. But oh, that's awesome fun. That's just so, that's seriously so much fun. You've just got these hundreds of different variations of amps and yeah. Pedals and stuff you can put together, yeah. You know, all for I mean, the, the device itself, I think it was like 140 bucks, and that included free software, which is worth 200 dollars, yeah. yeah. Nice. And um, so yeah, for and I uh, and uh, I had all these vouchers and stuff, and it, I think it cost about 26 bucks of actual money, wow. um, to get this thing in, yeah. And I'm having a ball. It's, it's, it's awesome fun. Nice, yeah. nice. Uh, I'm no good still. Yeah, this is. I've got. I'm getting the gear, but I've still got no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm spending about an, an hour to an hour and a half a day practicing. Right. So I'm I'm, put, I'm putting in the yards. Yeah. Okay. But here's a, here's a funny here's a funny thing. So I, I showed up on Monday to my guitar lesson. Yeah. Right. And I've walked in, and there's my guitar tutor. Completely different hair. Like. Okay. All curly, right? All curly. He's gone from straight to all really black hair to pearl, right. right? I've got, I've got. Check out the hair. What have you done to yourself? And he goes, "Hi, I'm Jack. <laughs> I'm your new, I'm your new guitar teacher." Oh, uh, what? <laughs> it was, wasn't even the same guy. <laughs> but it's the same height, the same general look, you know. And I got distracted by the hair. So my guitar teacher, after only three weeks, left. <laughs> didn't even tell you he was going. You know. I said, geez, I couldn't have broken in that quickly. You know? <laughs> and the worst thing is the other one was called Jamie. This one's called Jack. So they both start J-A. They look the same. They kind of sound the same, you know, except for the curly hair. They could be the same person. Somewhere in Melbourne, you know? there's a guitar teacher walking around saying, sometimes dead is better. Sometimes <laughs> <laughs> dead is better. Binga, 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 binga. Yes. Oh. Yeah, so, so yeah, and this, this guy seems really good sets, right? So I've, cool. um, so I've been doing the guitar lessons. So I've been up the dock. So I've had to wear a, a, a heart monitor stuff all over my arms and stuff right. for, a few, for a bit of time this yeah. week. And uh, that was, that was not trying to sleep with a big box on your side. And it's not a lot of fun, you know, it's not easy. Um, but no, that's it. That's, I've had a health wise pretty good week. Oh, good. Uh, good. Can't, can't, can't complain too much because no one listens. <laughs> um, and compared to, I saw, I saw, I saw uh, the Camera House, the uh, big camera group here in Australia, started a, um, a GoFundMe page this week for a mate of mine who runs Lismore Camp, who owns Lismore Camera right. House. And uh, Lismore, one of the oh, main yeah. areas of flooding in, uh, in Australia, yep. uh, they were told to expect floods to a certain height. So they moved all their equipment a couple of metres above that on the specially built mezzanine level to protect everything from floods. Right. And then the flood went, the flood went four metres higher than they predicted. Wow. And a million dollars worth of damage. Ouch. Yeah, and no, no insurance. Because apparently you can't get insurance yeah. there for floods. Yeah. In a flood zone... They won't insure you for floods. Yeah. How disgrace! How absolutely effing disgraceful is that? Oh, mate, don't insurance. Don't get me started on insurance companies. I think they're lower than banks. They should not be allowed to operate in a country if they can't offer services that are actually required. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, simple as that. Yeah, so million dollars of the damage and um, bad luck. Yeah. You know? So that uh, so so my friends at the small camera house, I feel your pain. Yeah. 
So. I used to work in Lismore but very early Did in you? my radio career. You know, back in the late 80s, I was living in Lismore and working there. And I think it was 89 they had quite substantial flooding in Lismore. But apparently wow. the floods that they have just experienced in the last you know, week and a half has actually surpassed the 1974 flood, which was like the benchmark of floods wow. in the area, you know. So, you know, it's it's certainly a once in a 50 year event, if not worse. Uh, but there's no such thing as global warming. Yeah, that's that right. Also, so that's lucky. <laughs> Did you see the photo through the week from Gympie where there was a quad bike hanging from an overhead power line? <laughs> the water had been so high and oh after it had, after it had subsided there's this quad bike left hanging from from a power line it was insane well, so that's got to be what 10 meters 12 uh, i'd say a good 15? five five or six like a it was power, just a just, power, just a power pole. line across a road like it was only a single line i'm oh, not talking okay. about a, a yeah. tree I've, like, I've heard, yeah yeah no. Uh, but it was probably a good six metres up. Man. But, yeah, like, it's one of those things that, you know, if you didn't see the pick, you wouldn't believe it. It was Man. just crazy. So That's a lot. We've we had a bit of rain down here in Victoria. I mean, like, yeah, for us, quite a lot. Right. Uh, but over, like, a three- or four-day period. But um, but no flooding. No, no nothing nothing that lasted and then it's gone by the next day sort of stuff, you yeah. know. So well, um, yeah. here on the central coast, we've had so many days of just solid cloud and or rain that the new solar hot, uh, not hot water, solar electricity system that we just put on our roof, you know, like six, oh, yeah. seven yeah. weeks ago. That's right. We've had days where we uh, couldn't get the battery filled up to 100% because there, there wasn't enough you know, solar being collected from the panels. Yeah, yeah. And yesterday, as we are recording this, was the first day since we've had that system installed where we actually fed more to the grid than we consumed. Wow. We, we've just had so much cloud, it's been ridiculous. Paying for itself like crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're at least $3 paid off. <laughs> you'll, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, uh, you'll have it cleared by the time you're 93. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> God, that's crazy. I mean, yeah. you, you just don't expect. I mean, that's been the weirdest summer. Oh, it wasn't even a summer. Uh, I was talking to a friend this week that, uh, well, A, we've had a lot of humidity down here, which we never get. We don't get Same. V- very rarely. This, but, but it's been real. But, but New South Wales is a humid place. Yeah. Compared yeah, to Victoria, oh, yeah. you you we, we have no humidity. We have dry heat. You have humid yeah. heat, right? But so we've been getting like Sydney humidity yeah. uh, for for days, which is really bizarre. But it used to be always growing up. You'd look at the TV weather forecast and you'd see what Perth had weather wise, and you see what Adelaide has, and whatever Adelaide has, the next day you yeah. have, and whatever Perth has, two days later you'd have yeah. that. So you could always reliably predict what the weather's going to be like for two days because it's whatever Perth had two days yeah. ago never happens anymore yeah completely changed the weather patterns completely yeah. changed in my lifetime yeah. that something that was that was gospel yeah. is now just never never happens yeah 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 which is which is which is I'm just bizarre yeah you know? totally. and, and and the fact that no one's talking about it no one's going oh gee have you noticed this <laughs> you know and, and when i say to other people oh yeah we used to do that all the time you know and we can't do it anymore you know it's um, so whatever has happened to weather is is has certainly changed here. Yeah, totally. Shall we talk some photography? 
Oh, I guess we could. I came across an interesting article. Uh-huh. That, well, no, I came across a photograph, and the photograph made me look a bit deeper, of Frank Sinatra holding a camera. Right. Right. And all these photographers taking a photograph of Frank Sinatra taking a photograph. Right. Uh, and it turns out in 1971, Muhammad Ali was fighting Joe Frazier for the world title battle. Yeah. His, his comeback fight after Vietnam. Yeah. And tickets were so hot, even Frank Sinatra couldn't get a ticket. Wow. Right? Yeah, I know. Even so with his a, connections. He got, <laughs> exactly. So he got a job as a photographer for life. Wow. And he photographed the bout for life photography, for life, so he could get close to the front. And the front cover of Life magazine was uh, was a photo of the fight taken by Frank Sinatra. Is that Frank's photo? Yes. Oh, my God. Because that's How a legendary cool photo. Oh, I, don't, I don't there's the one. I don't there's the one I'm over the. Oh, not the, the punch. No, no, oh. I don't, I don't mean, no, not, not that one. No, uh, but there was a there was a front cover apparently. Oh yeah, I see it. Yep, it's a bit further down the yeah. down the page. Yep. Yeah, there. Yeah. So, wow. um, and it's still a damn good photo. Yeah, it's a damn good photo. You know? Yeah. Um, which is yeah, there we go. Cover photograph photograph by Frank Sinatra. Wow. That's actually a damn good shot, actually. It's a really good man. It's right in your face. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but just, just the whole story, it's, it's really quite amazing that, yeah. Uh, um, and, and at the time, it was like, the biggest biggest sporting event in history. Yeah, right. Uh, they, they, both got, they both got $2.5 million each, which in 1971 right. was an hell of a lot of money, you know. And, um, wow. And, uh, and that's how hot the thing was. Even Frank Sinatra couldn't get a ticket, you know. So I thought it was really cool. Wow. So I thought, yeah. I thought I'd share it for those who uh, never heard nice. that one before. And what else did I find? Not, not. I, I, I did remember my wife. Uh, speaking of my wife, it's our twenty-first wedding anniversary today. Some of the happiest months of my life, Bruce. I tell you. Um, <laughs> Congratulations, mate. Yes, I said to her last night. I said uh, that was a couple of days ago. I said uh, it's at fifteenth, isn't it? <laughs> she goes, "Well, you've got a daughter that's fourteen and a half." So I. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. So 21 uh, years uh, wedding anniversary, which is um, so. And then I've got a, a kid home sick. So uh, and my wife's out, out tonight. She's going to a show tonight. So she's not, she's not oh, home okay. for her wedding anniversary. And uh, there's been many a wedding anniversary I've been overseas for. for so this makes up for it. Uh, and then I've got a kid home sick. So we can't even go out for lunch. So it's like, you oh. lovely kid. It's kids, I tell you, who'd have them? <laughs> I, 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 was, I, was I was saying to my eldest today on the way to school, I said, uh, uh, it reminds me of this, this video clip I saw of this, this man and woman sitting on the couch with a glass of wine, and, and uh, the woman's going, what, so, so we're decided, are we? And he goes, you know, I think we are. She goes, so we're not going to have kids? He goes, no, I don't think so. She goes, well, who's going to tell them, you or me? <laughs> <laughs> my 15-year-old didn't appreciate that for some reason. <laughs> Um, yeah, so 20, 21 years, Matt, so I thought I'd put a little shout out there, because I know she's an avid listener, <laughs> avid listener of the podcast. Um, Good on you, Kat. <laughs> don't think she's ever heard an episode. <laughs> that, <laughs> hey, but neither have I, so that makes two of us. Yeah, you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, no, but we were talking, that's what, that's what I thought about it, we were, we were talking during the week about how, you know, with the, all the, the uh, war in uh, Ukraine and Russia at the moment, yeah. about how the world has changed in that it's now corporations having more effects 
uh, with sanctions than necessarily their countries are. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this because Canon and Adobe have both said that they're, they're both well, Adobe shut off Photoshop and all the other Adobe suites in uh, access in in Russia. Wow. Canon stopped all supply to Russia. Yeah. As of Macas and Coke and nothing, yeah. but but uh, and Shell have stopped buying Russian oil. Yeah. But it's just interesting how how corporations can have a a, a, a social impact. Yeah, uh, and maybe need to be seen to be doing that now, which never used to be the case. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I, I thought that was uh, when I saw that Adobe had shut off. I thought, well, yeah, uh, how does that affect what they can do? And yeah, uh, as as, as organisations and so it was uh, yeah, just just a, an interesting observation about how the world has shifted and yeah, um, and maybe it's going to be that yeah, corporations have more power than governments going forward as well. Anyway, you know. Yeah, because that's all. Realistically, that's where supply comes. Supply issues, supply chains. Everything's all business more than government. Yeah, at some point, some point in the chain, anyway. Yeah. And uh, my last thing I was going to chat about was um, Snoop Dogg. Yeah. Yeah. Me, me, and the Snoop were down like two people aren't very down with each other. But he, he, he's having a bit of a bleat uh, about that photographers shouldn't own the copyright of photographs of celebrities. Yeah, because in his words, and, and it's hard, it's hard to go past an intellectual giant like the Snoop, uh, where he says <laughs> that's a mere likeness type situation. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's a mere likeness type situation. So if you take a photograph of said Snoop, that's just a mere likeness type situation, and right. you shouldn't be able to. You're you're going to make money off somebody else's art, somebody else's fame, right? Which is which is kind of yeah, as ridiculous as Snoop is, um, there's some merit to it. Well, if you, if you're going to take that argument, then you would have to then say, okay, it's now legal to take photographs of the Eiffel Tower at night and the lighting display. Well, well, here's a funny thing because it's only a mere my, likeness my, type situation. My my, my <laughs> Apple my Apple Watch yeah. has a, a, a screen you can put on a face you can put on that is time lapse videos. Right. Okay, so when you lift your when you lift your phone up, there's this little time lapse, and one of them is Paris. Yep. Okay, the Eiffel Tower. And it depends on what time of day you look at your phone. If it's early in the morning, you have sunrise time lapse. If it's the middle of the day, you have daytime. And if it's nighttime, you have a nighttime time lapse of the Eiffel Tower with the illuminations. Wow. So yeah, exactly. That's a copyright. Like near likeness type but, situation, but then Apple's got gazillions of dollars in cash. They probably paid the licensing for it. Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's uh, but but yeah, objects are. No, I suppose if it's owned by a company, if it's, if it's private property, and you're taking photos of a private property, but if, if it's a celebrity, the only reason your photo gets any traction is because of who's in. Is it. because of who's in it exactly? Yeah. You know? Maybe you know how like NFTs work. Like you know, you create an NFT and you sell it, but you always kind of own part, at least part of that. So if ever gets on sold, you get part of that as well. Yeah. That maybe any celebrity photograph should have the same sort of commitment to it, where a portion of any profits generated from that go to the artist. Bit like yeah. if you play a music track on your radio station, you're going to pay a license, a fee. You know. Yep. Um, so I think I think that there's some there's some merit. In, so maybe it might come to a point where all 
photos of celebrities have to be NFTs. So they can only be bought as an NFT or sold as NFTs. Right. And yep. therefore, the person who shot the image, the person who's in the image, always gets some value ongoing for how it's used. Yeah. That could it's work. Got, it's got some potential, you know, yeah. maybe. Yeah. And you think maybe the collaboration then between artists and photographers may change as well. You know? It could totally change and it might actually reduce some of the animosity. Exactly. So you, you might get some good collaborations might come out of it because they're, they're not seeing to be being used, which is effectively what especially paparazzi do with celebrities is they, they use them. Yeah. Um, and there's some, there's some sort of comeback for for for, for that usage. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. I don't, I don't know. I, mean, I didn't sit and read the whole article because it was Snoop. And he's, yeah. But he's talking about it, some image of I think it was Tupac and some other uh, other rapper. And this rapper put a photo up online right. of that photo and didn't license it. And yeah. so he's being sued. Right. And Snoop objected to the sewage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe it's like perfect maybe, choice of adjective, perfect choice of word. Yeah, um, and and so yeah. But I thought, yeah, I thought that's interesting. Be an interesting thing to see if that changes over the years, uh, or yeah. if someone was to start up an agency that funneled things through that way. Yep, would that take off? Would yeah. that become a thing where? Um, yeah, photographers want to be involved in because it, it gives them ongoing financial benefits and much harder to have their images used you know, without you know, appropriation. Yeah, and then maybe celebrities get more involved with it, and I don't know. Mm. Someone with a bit of money behind them might you know, find that there's a value in doing something with that. Yeah, uh, that's my nice. my genius. That's my genius million dollar idea for the week. Excellent. But on that, that, like all my other genius million dollar ideas, I'll do nothing with. Yeah. <laughs> so, what have you got in your list? Anything exciting? Uh, just, just a couple of things from our listeners. Paul Sutton sent oh. me uh, an email and said, "How this guy is making his shots? I am adding him to the list of people I don't like as well. I just wish I could come up with his ideas." Uh, and this was a blog post on Petapixel and some of this guy's creative ideas for portraits are just fantastic. The the one that sort of leads off the post is, it's almost like a recreation of Steve McCurry's Afghan Girl, but when you see the behind the scenes of it and just where it was shot, it's just just crazy, yeah. You don't like it? You don't like it? It's ridiculous. Well, why go stand there? Why go it's a pretension it's a pretension to go all the way to this totally. location to do a head and shoulder shot that you can't see anything to do with the location no that could have been taken anywhere and then massively over processed well, it might just be in the backyard of his house we don't know and it's not <laughs> you look at his other, look at his other <laughs> but the point is, is the point is the you point, look down there there are some clever ideas here the, there are, and then they're over-processed up the absolute wazoo oh. till they know they look like humans. Sure, sure. I mean, the processing is... I mean, there's some beautiful ideas, yeah. absolutely butchered in my opinion. That if, been, if they could be toned back, I don't know, 130 140%, yeah. um, would, would be a beautiful image. Yeah. But as it is, it's a... I'll be I'll be generous and say not to my taste. Fair enough. Um, but that this this look I've been using this 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 malarkey of uh, yeah look at the location we shouldn't look at the imagery we produced for years yeah yeah yep. 
But there's no need to go to the spot that girl in red's being photographed no. to do that photo. No. So you should be showing, I don't know, any lounge room, any the driveway of your head. That should be someone's driveway, not this a uh, cool location that's not being used remotely right. uh, for any purpose. But yeah, no, I'm saying, what's the purpose of the image? Yeah. In to, to do that image there, I don't get it. Okay, there's, fair enough. Uh, if there's a sequence of images taken in that location that showed using that location, maybe. But right, at the very least, I wouldn't have led off with that image. Right. No, I actually, okay, I would have I actually off think with an image. The, the the one I really like the most is the one with the hand uh, above the car window. I don't know if you've scrolled down to that one. It's about the sixth or seventh image down, at a guess. Uh, I actually think that is a really clever uh, technique. And another car window. Again, I mean, it's post-processed to yeah the nth degree, but I do think it's a clever technique. No, it is. No, it is. It, it's. It's. I've, I've, I mean, it's not. That's the image he's seeing, but taking the photo taken. That's not that image. No, I'm sure the raw file looks nothing like no, that. No, 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 no. He's not shooting that image in that photo of behind the scenes. Oh, Because okay. that lens, that lens can't shoot that image. Right. Looking like that. Because it's either tight, so you can see her face, yeah. then his hand's chopped off. Yeah. Or it's wide, so you can see his whole hand, but then you see the top of the car, yeah, yeah the top of the car window. So that that's not... Yeah, right. I'm, I'm with you. That, that, that's 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 not the image. That's not how the image was captured. No. That photo. There's no way that 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 have. I like the concept of the image absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and look, the one with the girl with the with the purple flowers. Yeah, but once again, just absolutely butchered the post processing. Yeah. Uh, and, and and to tone it back fifty percent, it's still a beautiful image. Yeah. But over over whitened eyes, ridiculously smooth skin. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. The rest, they're looking. What's that one with the book on fire? That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> that's set a book on fire. I think probably the least, the least over processed is probably the girl eating the strawberry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I mean, he's got, he's got some, he's got some. I don't know. It all just comes down to you. if you have the talent to have that sort of vision. Yeah. Why do you feel the need to kill it? In my opinion. To kill it um, with that much post. Yeah. You know, if you've got the vision to see, why don't you see that? Well, maybe he can't actually capture in camera what it is he sees in his mind. Oh, no, absolutely. But he doesn't. Do you need to over process and soften the skin (laughs) to beyond human realms? Right. That's what I'm talking about. The ability not to see that, that, okay, everything's now, once again, in my opinion, and the, the the biggest one, and uh, my favourite image of this is the the uh, the Madonna type image, the woman in yellow, yeah, uh, with her headpiece, could be a stunning image, but you look at it, you go, oh, it's just that face, it's just it's it's it's, it's, it's a Barbie doll, it's 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 a, it's a plastic head <laughs> stuck on, the, yeah, it's just it's and once again, it could be the fact they're looking at it on the internet, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's but but if you zoom in on that, I mean, a it doesn't look sharp, right? But once again, that could be the internet. But it's the skin is it's got a texture, but I don't think it's a human texture. 
know, instead of saying you've got that much talent visually, yeah, but there's like a I don't know something something sort of falls over, you know. And you zoom in on all the faces, this unusual texture, right? It seems on on, on a lot of them, it's just it, okay. it's like the big texturized, right? But again, it could be Facebook. I don't know the internet, but <laughs> I, I zoom in on the, the the red-headed girl with the with the yellow top on the little posy of flowers. Yeah, again, you zoom in on her face, and it's like, ooh, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to see uh, these images just toned to a way that just shows beauty, right? Rather than over the top. But yeah, just my opinion. Yeah. Now. Maybe I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> True, just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's not likable. No, well, I mean, that's, I mean, we've said before, you know, the whole thing about photography is that it is subjective, you know. Yeah, but they should like what I like, Bruce. (laughs) Of course they should. (laughs) And the last thing. Do it the way I want, That's right. Simple as that. The last thing was from Philip Johnson, and this was a. I love this. A link to a Petapixel blog post, uh, which then has a link to a YouTube video which is actually really just which has an a link audio to recording a, to a blog post <laughs> yeah. which has a link to a blog uh, but the, the subject is listen to a photographer born in 1843 talk about documenting the wild west i've not had a chance to listen to this i started listening to it just before we recorded and realized it ran for over half an hour and went oh i'm not going to get through that before we start so uh you've but you read the article at least no (laughs) (laughs) did you you said this to me days ago (laughs) no days ago i know but i yeah look i i i i I love this this is probably one of my favorite articles of the year so thanks philip appreciate that it's once again because we're talking about this history of photography a bit this over recent months uh, about these early early photographers and and just this guy's out going into parts of america that had almost not been visited yeah certainly never been photographed back in the 1860s 1870s all those sort of yeah. period yeah but talking about the um the process to even be able to take a photograph so here is the thing our old photo process before 1880 we used what we called a wet collodion process we carried out clean glass plates and a whole bunch of chemicals collodions and developers and iron solutions and acid solutions and everything filters and trays and bottles and everything of that kind and a kind of a portable darkroom tent to work in we had to go in that little tent take one of those green glass plates throw it with a collodion uh, embossed in silver bath of nitrate and while still wet put it in a plate holder and rush out and expose it run outside and take the photo with it quickly then run back in and develop it straight away what? otherwise it would be no good so uh, even so with a team of three working on it it took them 30 minutes to prepare to take one photo wow there you go in the middle of the wilderness in the middle of who knows what sort of conditions so th- so that th- you just don't can't comprehend what's involved in in, in capturing him so you can imagine because it takes a long time even to set those cameras up in that day they're sending all the time getting the camera uh, yeah set up and the angle the shot that they want and then they've got to run into this buddy tent build the build the plate <laughs> run out quickly put it in the camera take the photo then run back in and develop the damn thing before it all fell apart you know i just think wow. that that was just fascinating you know what an incredible effort to take yeah. a photograph and um and they're saying that a, a lot of these photographs are the reason why Yosemite became the world's first national park. Because up to this point, 
unless you've been there, you have no idea, or seen drawings, you have no idea of it. But to see photos for the first ever time, yeah, uh, went a long way towards creating um, yeah, the national parks as we know them today. So wow. pretty cool. But but a cool article, and and, and I said I, I haven't listened to the. Um, Interviewee, I've just re- I actually just read the article, Bruce. Right. So, yeah, no judging here, though, dude. But yeah, really. Well, I'm <laughs> actually really. I'm actually going to capture the audio and chuck it on my phone so I can listen to it on the go. So yeah, yeah, maybe put it at the end of the podcast. It'll flesh it out. <laughs> we could do that. That would. Can be... you do that? Is that, I, I, that be, I could that... do that. It's not particularly uh, honest, but. Well, can't you put a link and say we got it from here? Go listen well, to it. Yeah, I, I suppose I could do that. I don't I could know. Do that. It's interesting. It's interesting. All right, I will do that. I will. I will capture that audio and I'll chuck it on the end of this. And podcast. then, put let's put some really interesting content at the end of the thirty minutes of this interview, so people have to listen all the way through and hear the good stuff. Or at the very least, let's tell them we're going to do that, but not actually do it, because <laughs> that, of course, would rely upon us to actually find something interesting. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and that's not going to happen. I mean, we've managed so far five hundred episodes not to. So that's the one we should start now. <laughs> So, so stay Good tuned stuff. to the end of the podcast, people. After Absolutely. the after the interview, you just never know what you might find. That's where we special bury all the good stuff. stuff. Special, <laughs> special stuff. Yeah. We might even do my new my new guitar outro for the podcast. That we Excellent. When I'm recording. Excellent. Yeah? Excellent idea. Actually, no, we don't want to put them off going to the end, do we? <laughs> all right, mate. Well, uh, that will do it for another week. You uh, have a good another week. Another fortnight, even. Uh, another Four fortnight, fortnight. Yes. yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, you have you have an awesome time. Oh, I'm I'm sorry we can't catch up in te- in, in yeah. Melbourne when you're zipping through. It's, yeah. Um, oh well. My, my nights, uh, every, every night is crazy. Yeah. You know? It's just kids, kids. Who'd have them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> me, and my, me and my wife having lunch. They decide if we're going to have kids or not. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so be well. Hope all goes well and swimmingly for you. And hopefully we hear some good news next episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right. Stick around right. for the uh, the interview with um, William Henry Jackson. Yeah. All I right. if that's where Jackson, Jackson Hole got its name from. Uh, oh, good question. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Jackson was there. They're filming, fell in a hole. It's called Jackson Hole. That's how they named things, that's how they named things back <laughs> yeah. in those days. Yeah. <laughs> that's why this place places like stumbled over, um, fell off a uh, cliff. Yeah. <laughs> Pissed against a tree. <laughs> Pissed against a tree, Wyoming. That's a hell of a name. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right, mate. Have a good one. Bye, all. <laughs> See ya. Since 2005, Shutters Inc. has been a labour of love. But beyond the time required to produce it, there is also a financial commitment. If you find value in the podcast and would like to help keep the servers running, hit up the Patreon link, which is in the show notes. Even a couple of dollars a month will help. Much appreciated. Now, back to the podcast. This morning on a coast-to-coast broadcast of the Mutual Broadcasting System, it is our pleasure to pay a tribute to a gentleman who's sitting at our microphones here now in the Department of the Interior Building. I'd like to repeat again that tribute before we start this little discussion, Mr. Jackson. We said this morning, one of America's grand old men has a birthday this week. He will be 98 years old Friday. Think of that, lacking only two years of being a century old. I think it's safe to say that no one in the world living today has looked upon the things this man has seen. No man will ever see them again. 
for William Henry Jackson is part and parcel of America's Old West. It was 75 years ago, way back in 1866, that he worked his way west on the Oregon Trail as a bullwhacker. He was the first man who ever took pictures in the Yellowstone country. With his camera and with his able brush, he has photographed and painted a record of our early west that would not exist otherwise. He went as a bullwhacker with the Mormons to Salt Lake. He was with a mule freight outfit that lugged stuff over the mountains to a little village called Los Angeles. He rode herd on Mustangs around another little village called Omaha. Because this man had the eye of an artist and the instinct of a historian, we have a better understanding today of the beginning of our great West. Much of the development of the West was aided by his work. A magnificent and full life you've had, William Henry Jackson, and here's thanks and the nation's best wishes to you on your 98th birthday. That was in the broadcast this morning. And now we're very happy, Mr. Jackson, that you're here with us now and can tell us in your own words some of these things that I know you would like to have us know. Well, on your last trip across the West, did you notice any changes in the character and the vigor of the grass from that which you observed in the 70s? Well, that's been called to my attention uh, lately by modern pictures that people have sent me from the conservation uh, uh, society. There I've called to mind the great difference of the luscious grass that we used to camp on, which are now dusty plains, some parts of the middle of western Wyoming. Well, do you remember how the cowboys handled their trail herds in the great cattle drives between Texas and Montana? I'm now engaged in painting a picture covering that very subject, showing the uh, big uh, drive of the old Longhorn period up across the old Chisholm Trail into Wyoming. That's as you remembered. Yes. I, now, I only crossed the trail. I didn't follow it. I see. Now, just when did sheep begin to compete seriously with cattle? Oh, along the late 80s and 90s. And you were a part of all those yeah. differences of opinion yeah, yeah. that took place at that time. I uh, more acquainted that country before the, before the cowboy came in, even. Mm -hmm. I like to that, think of that period before the cowboy period. The cowboys began to come in during the 70s. Mm -hmm. And they had the full sway for the next 10 years. And then they began to compete with the homesteaders and the... Uh, and the uh, and the and the and the cowboys and the uh, the cowboys. Well, now, did you uh, actually see any of these old range wars that took place? No, I never. The Johnson County War, as they call it, in Wyoming, that country, was a little bit out of my territory. We were up in the mountains more. My work with the, the geological survey was almost entirely in the mountains, and that's what's on the plains. Where all, that, uh, where all that warfare occurred. You've seen lots of buffalo, I expect, haven't oh, you? Oh, millions of them. Would you like to tell us about what those herds looked like when you oh, saw them? Oh, a great mass of uh, dark brown animals moving, grazing across the plains. When I first, <coughs> when I first saw a great herd, it was the first year the Kansas Pacific ran across the plains. And we ran through them all day long. Passing through Buffalo, I had to stop the train to get them off the track. Uh, they stopped several times. They were as far as you could see in the distance, on those flat plains, in the extreme distance, you could still see them moving on. You mean this was just one herd that took the entire day for the train? Well, they them? were all, it wasn't a herd, really, it's a whole mass of, uh, of buffalo. One great mass of them all came together, not in different herds, 
but one great movement covering miles of territory. Would you estimate how many might be in such a... Oh, very impossible to guess. Well, Some people call it millions, but that's rather excessive. Uh, did you see the hunting of the buffalo? Oh, thousands. So what was the, how did they hunt the buffalo then? How did they hunt the buffalo? Oh, just the by uh, horseback and chasing. Runner was uh, running up on them. The old Indian with a spear and bow and arrow. And our modern people with their, with their uh, guns. I myself ran down several buffalo using only a, uh, a revolver. Riding up close to them and firing on their left flank. Uh, how about other game? Not that uh, other game. Oh, that is abundant, of course. But game on the trail as we traveled was sometimes hard to find. Game at that time was shy. A large body traveling through the country necessarily made mourner's disturbance. And the game would scatter into the mountains and hide away. So that sometimes we even had to employ hunters to go out and get the game for our own, for our own uh, meals. Well, that was good. Putting well, all the swings on the trail. Uh, what would you say was the fertility of the soil then? Oh, of course, necessarily in the uh, bottoms, around through where the stream flowed through, the flat valley bottoms and the Sweetwater valleys, all those western streams, the uh, fertility seems to be very good indeed. Of course, that's all proved by the, by the fine crop they raised when they came into production. Well, now, was there water in the streams in those days? Oh, yes, not much. Water was not conserved then. There were dry seasons when the streams almost go dry. But, uh, of course, at that time, early day, there's no irrigation, except in a very small way, so that they confined themselves to immediate vicinity of the water. But there was no. They didn't dust depend upon rainfall at all. It did depend for, from, for such crops as they had upon irrigation, but in a limited way. Well, what did people do for amusement in those days? What were their amusements? Oh, I don't know. There's no amusement that we know it today. <laughs> they all went to bed early and got up early. I see. <laughs> uh, what, what about the social life? Oh, the social life is occasionally uh, gathering all people for a dance like the old-fashioned barn dance. All the ranchmen had their dancing night. That was the great amusement, I might say, of all, gathering the people all together for a dance. And the old-time square dances almost universally at that time. All of us could find a fiddler or somebody who could play music of some kind. Well, uh, a man who might have been out there at that time making a living on that land uh, what did, how did he make his money? How much money was needed, or did he just buy well, barter they and trade make, Well, they were mostly concerned in making a living, mm -hmm. not for selling so much. Mm -hmm. That came in mostly with the cattle business later. And also, when the overland uh, stage lines were running, by raising hay and such things for the service of the Pony Express and the overland stage and things of that kind. Those were places all had to be stocked with hay. They lived upon that almost entirely. And, of course, that's one of the first products, you might say, was that, well, of course, when the Mormons went in there, they began at once with a wheat crop. Mm -hmm. On the first year of their entrance into Salt Lake Valley, they had a wheat crop growing at once, mm -hmm. by sowing the wheat and corn, I should say, besides the wheat. Let's see. What do you recall, Mr. Jackson, as... 
in your opinion, the most interesting thing that uh, happened to you in your entire experience in the West? Do you have any one thing that you think would be an outstanding well, experience? Well, it's pretty hard to segregate uh, one, one item because my uh, <coughs> experience has been so... <coughs> would you want a glass of water? It's been so widespread in general. Just uh, that's right. Just take a drink. Uh, but I've always called the most interesting period of my life, the 10 years I spent in the West with the Hayden Survey. That's always been my most interesting period. New things that I saw, new places to photograph, first things to bring to the attention of the world, to make the Ellisbone region known, to make the mountain, the Holy Cross known to the people, to make known to people the cliff dwellings of the South. All very interesting things in themselves. But no one startling, dramatic, single incident, you might say. There's a standout pound more or less. You have uh, probably been the first man to have looked upon, or the first white man at any rate, to have looked upon many of those natural wonders out there. Have you not been? Well, in a way, not the first to look upon them so much as to perpetuate, perpetuate them in pictures. Mm -hmm. Pretty hard to say in this America of ours where a man has not been. Well, that's true, But too. we're among the uh, first uh, people to follow on the t tales of those unnamed people, trappers and people of that kind, who may have seen these yes. things. But we were the first to make them publicly known. Well, what were some of those things that you made known for the first time to the rest well, of the country? Yellowstone, Holy Cross, the Cliff Dwelling, the main Rocky Mountain chain of peaks, Fremont's Peak, and all the big, uh, the Teton Mountains, all the prominent features today in the scenic wonders of the West. I have seen some of those pictures you've made, Mr. Jackson, made on the tops of mountains, those, where you knew that it must have been tremendously difficult just to get to the point and carry that was the, the main part of my experience with the Hayden Survey, was carrying that cumbersome, very weighty photographic apparatus to top the high peak. The apparatus for making pictures arrived mounted fully 100 pounds of weight you had to carry up. Of course, I had to have assistance, there's generally three of us. We'd carry our pack animals up the mountain as far as we could. Then we'd distribute their loads to our own soldiers, to our own shoulders, and carry to the tops of the peak. I covered pretty nearly all of the high peaks of Colorado in that way, from the, 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 including Fremont and all the high peaks of Colorado, and carried up my water and all the apparatus and the cameras and everything that kind for making the pictures. Sometimes I had to spend nearly all day on top to get pictures between intermittent storms that come over the peaks. And now these days we think it's quite an achievement if a man goes up there carrying a minicam with him. Oh, <laughs> it's playboy time. Playboy time. Would you tell us something about the way you had to make pictures in those days? Some, of the, some of the way you had to make pictures, how you made the exposure. <coughs> Briefly, our old process before 1880, when the drag came into being, was what you call the wet clothing process. We carried out clean glass plates, a whole lot of them, a whole lot of chemicals, collodions and developers and iron solutions and acid solutions and everything again, filters and trays and bottles and everything of that kind, besides a portable darkroom to work in. We had to go into that little tent, take one of those clean glass plates, floor it with a collodion, immerse it in a silver bath of nitrate of silver, and while still wet, 
put in the plate holder and exposed in the usual way. Then it had to be developed immediately after it was wet, and the plate dried as well as it could, stored in a grooved box to protect it in that condition, and the camp had to be clothed with a protective varnish and packed away. I have tried <coughs> on one occasion by coaching my assistants see how quickly we could make a picture from the arriving at the point where I wanted us to be made. We had to unpack the mule, of course, and uh, distribute the apparatus, set up a tent, get the camera ready, and then I'd go into that little tent and coat my plate and prepare it for exposure. And after development, it is uh, packed away, as I have said, and then put on the mule again. Under such conditions, with two assistants working with me, I've uh, been, I've taken 30 minutes to make a picture. But ordinarily, it takes more time than that. And once located, well, of course, you can make a number of pictures with a comparatively short time. Exposure on the plate at that time averaged all the way from sometimes even to one second up to five, ten, fifteen, or twenty seconds for an exposure. Extreme cases up to minutes instead of seconds. I expect in those days out there you've photographed many people, have you not, who been a part of our West, of our early history? We didn't photograph many people, many groups. We were rather limited in that account. We were out here for just about so much work. We couldn't carry only, only a fixed quantity of glass, because that was heavy. We generally had, as I might say, for season's work, about 400 glass plates. And we were tent upon the scenery. We didn't care about our own party. Didn't care about what they did themselves individually. We were interested in what they saw, new places, things of that kind. And towards the end of the season, if uh, if uh, we, there were still things to be photographed that had not been uh, taken, well, we'd wash off from the old uh, group picture and use them for scenery. Of course, the scenery remained, but those people had passed. Yes. Much to my regret in some cases. Uh, you, you must have known and been acquainted, at any rate, with a lot of those characters of the early West, were you not? They were not prominent in those days. We didn't think much of them. And it was all just one of us at the same time. Uh, of course, I met nearly all the prominent people, at least now the well-known people of that period. Would you like to mention some of those people of that day? Uh -huh. uh, would you like to mention some of those people of that day who played a part in making the way? Oh, of course, there was, first of all, our old geological survey people. Besides Hayden, there's Powell, and there's Kane, and there's Wheeler, and all the people associated with it. And, of course, nearly the men of the old, well-known scouts that, that figured largely in the uh, undercover period of the West, like Bill Hickman and Cody and, uh, and people in the, people in Cheyenne and Denver, who uh, like Matt Madison and some others, Masterson, some of those people whose names I don't recall just now. But they're all circling, more or less, during that late 1670 period. Well, Mr. Jackson, I, I just wouldn't know the questions to ask you to bring out the things that I know you'd like to say. Wouldn't you just like to go ahead and just talk now and, and tell us all of the things that you remember and <clears throat> what you think of their importance? both of yesterday and as they might be in relation to things today. Well, you already have an inkling, have an outline of my story, but it's mostly concerned the survey period of the 60s and 70s. <clears throat> I began photography way back when I was 15 years old, way back when I was 17 or 18 years old. And 
pursuing that business with various galleries that finally took me up into Vermont before the Civil War. There I got interested in the Civil War proceedings, of course, and went into a Vermont regiment and served down in the Army of the Potomac. Coming back from that into Vermont, I uh, pulled up stakes in Vermont on account of a disrupted little affair, as they call it, went west. That was in 1866, as already mentioned. That work took me to California and back, <coughs> returning from California behind a band of uh, about 150 Mustang ponies, driving uh, 2,000 miles across the country from uh, from uh, Los Angeles to uh, up through Salt Lake, back to Omaha. There, I thought I'd had enough of that kind of wandering and went into the photographic business, set up a gallery of my own, and began working on the Union Pacific Road then building westward, pulling up that road from one end to the other. That brought me in contact with Dr. Hayden, who was then running his survey of the Western Territory. He liked my work so well and thought it should be an important part of his own work, and he induced me to join his survey. I gave up my business in Omaha as a local photographer, and for the next uh, nine years including, I worked for the survey. That was a set of already mentioned to cover the most eventful period of my life, really. And from that time, I, when I quit the survey, I left Washington and went to Denver and set up a business for myself. My work from that time began with the rapid development of the Western Railway system, branching out everywhere, all over the West, Colorado especially, with the Rio Grande and the Santa Fe and the Southern Pacific, all those roads. They furnished me with private cars, crews, and engine and all that, and during the next 15 or 20 years, my work was almost entirely in following up the development of the Western Railroad. During that period, of course, I made a great many pictures for exhibitions, particularly for the Columbian Exposition in Chicago, 93. After that, I prepared a series of pictures over the Baltimore Ohio Road that I made the previous year. The uh, publicity agent of that road, after the completion of that work, he conceived the idea of taking me around the world <coughs> with the Transportation Commission, so-called. So in the latter part of 94, with a party of five, we started abroad and spent the next 18 months going all over the eastern, eastern continent, from uh, all the way from England over to the far points of the Far East, down to Australia and the Philippines and, the, and the Japan, and finally to Vladivostok on the Pacific, and returned from there overland by sledge in the wintertime, making a 3,000-mile trip over the snowy roads of uh, eastern Siberia, photographing all the way, those pictures, by the way, being published in uh, Harper's Weekly during that period, Pretty, uh, weekly, and all the issues of that paper during the latter part of 95 and 96. That covered one of my longest trips of that kind because we took the whole route from Vladivostok to Moscow in covering that uh, trip in that year. Returning from that to New York, where we came back in the Depression period of the 90s, late 90s, and that kind of threw me out of business, until finally I joined in with a color printing concern and went to Detroit in 98, and for the next 25 years I engaged in color printing business, converting these photographs largely into color views, postcards largely. We turned out millions and millions of postcards, using all my old negatives made during the previous 40-odd years. <laughs>
I understand that you're the father of the postcard, Mr. Jackson. Well, that's the far-fetched assumption, I think. I, when I was in the Army, I sent home in every letter a little picture the size of an envelope that I'd drawn out. Oh, a whole lot of them. And when I gathered, they came home, I, people, I gathered them up to show again. Being a picture similar to the postcard, to the card picture, it uh, might have been assumed that the first of the postcard, although not mailed as such, although it was mailed in an, in an envelope. I made a great many. The writer in the post here in New York presumed that to be uh, the origin, but I couldn't say. I, I don't think they were used. I think that's as logical an origin as... I think that's as logical an origin as anyone else yeah. can say. But I don't know any picture being used for that purpose before that mm -hmm. time. The little picture cards made made different sizes and so forth, but not the size of an envelope as a picture card as we know them today. You've been responsible for a great many million people, I expect, then saying, <laughs> uh, wish you were here, <laughs> sending the picture where they were. Uh, in connection with your trip around the world, Mr. Jackson, since your eye had been uh, for natural beauty, primarily, and you'd had the opportunity of seeing a, a great deal of our country and then the opportunity to see uh, the beautiful nature spots of other countries, yeah. What, in your honest opinion, is the, is the comparison there? Is America a beautiful country? Well, the aesthetic part of America is pretty well done. Photographers now are more intent upon Hollywood and a latest interest now in the scenery of the country. The reason how, how would you I'm say not the... Uh, I've been a landscaper, that a nature of, of uh, scenery unadorned in, in the country. Well, how would you say that our American scenery compares to the scenery of other nations? Oh, there are little spots of it that are equal to and attractive as anything you have abroad. Take the Teton, take the Jackson Hole country, for take our Yellowstone, which is unique, take our Grand Canyon, take our Yosemite, things that cannot be paralleled anywhere else. And I think that we have here great attraction that way, of course, as they have abroad. Of course, we have the Grand Elk, or we have the Himalayas, and the great many things we haven't. But we have things equally attractive in the way, I think. People talk about the centenary of my work in the United States. I'm very happy to have it linked up here with the Geological Survey. And in connection with photography, which my light has been largely identified, I've covered a little more than 80 years of active service in photography. Coming into it on the very heels of the old primitive GHI process and following through all its courses up to the present time, mostly in connection with public surveys in the West. My what? early period across there was covered by sketches. Then I took up the work of the Geological Survey in 1870 and followed through all that decade of the 70s. And that brings me back here again after the 75 odd years to sojourn again with the old, the uh, explorers of today. Explorers Club and the Geological Survey and various allied organizations of that kind. My life has been devoted to picturizing the West. When I gave up photography and with the old processes, I took the pencil and the paintbrush. And I've uh, 
without many we went into the old trail in that way. Go on, yes, go right mm. ahead, Mr. Jack. Uh, well, for the last 15 years, since I retired from active business, I've been more active than ever in carrying on the story of the Old West. That's been largely in connection with the work of the, of the Oregon Trail Association, covering my original route across the continent, as well as picturizing it now for future records of the Old, of the old West. Because I bring to it not only my original work in sketch and so forth, but the memory of all those things, which are still fresh in mind, and able to carry on the old story by picture and other means of that kind. Uh, it's been a great pleasure to meet the boys of the Geological Survey here. I come here for nearly annually, although my home is now in New York. But I keep alive the old story, and from here I go west every year, still following the old trails, well, from the Missouri River to the coast, mm -hmm. as we call it, by foot and airplane and motor car and every imaginable way you can think of. I've covered, I think, pretty nearly every way of traveling across the continent. Well, I want to thank you very, very much, Mr. Jackson, for coming up here and giving us this opportunity of, of having your voice put here in this transcription so we may know these things. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. This electrical transcription is an interview with William Henry Jackson made on the eve of his 98th birthday and recorded in the radio studios of the Department of the Interior, Thursday, April 3, 1941. Mr. Jackson was interviewed by Shannon Allen, director of the radio section of the Department of Interior. You've been listening to Shutters, Inc. For questions, comments, and feedback, email theboys at shuttersincpodcast.com. Thank <laughs> you.